Shalom. Hi, Laura. How are you? <laughs> hey, uh... <laughs> I, can you clarify? Are we going to have a family member join us on TikTok Live today? Oh, one of mine? Yeah. No, 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 no. Yeah. No, no, no. That would be like a pre-planned, scheduled, known about thing. As you okay. know, I'm not a big fan of podcast surprises. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> I would. I, I misinterpreted your message. I thought it was happening today and I was I got really excited. Um, okay, so I just wanted to. Yeah, no, I have to schedule it. My brother actually wants to do a, um, a live with me, but I had to explain to him that... Um, he has to have a thousand followers and my brother actually just got out of a, a church. I, I'm, this is my word. Okay. Not the word he would probably use. I don't know what word he would use, but my brother just exited from a church. I would tag onto that cult. Mm. Um, and he's the last member of my family to get out of it. My sisters have all been out of it for many years. Um, uh, my second to youngest sister got out first. Then it was my youngest sister, I believe. And then it was, um, the sister who's the next after me. She's 10 years younger than I am. Um, so they, my sisters have all been out for a long time because the church is much more abusive in some overt ways to women. And so for them, as they aged, it became less tolerable. Um, my brother received a lot of benefits from it more than the girls did because hello, you know, it, everything's based on patriarchal rules. Um, and he happens to be a very charming, very tall individual, um, which also matters in this society. So he, he received benefits a lot longer, but I think because he's a thinker, like we all are, it just, it got to the point for him where it became unbearable. So he just got out. And the reason that applies to this conversation is that they would restrict and monitor um, what apps they were using. Okay. And they would like stalk them um, on different apps. And so at different points in our connection, he would say, oh, sorry, I can't use that anymore. And he kind of framed it as though the church didn't allow it. But then what he told me later was that it was more like they would... Um, stalk them through it and so he didn't like that control that they had over him so he just wouldn't use them wow yeah so he so during this time when you have family members that are kind of dropping away are you guys communicating are you talking about the the, the subject or is was that a boundary that you, you did you break off relationships uh, oh, sorry, because of religion or oh god no no my um siblings are very much like me um uh nobody ever like with my brother i wouldn't we would talk about spirituality and religion and and he had a lot of flexibility for how he viewed things and his understanding of different people's views like he's very open-minded he's a thinker so i could talk to him about stuff but i would never be like when are you gonna get out of this church you know like to me for for, for my comfort zone that was way too invasive like he never invited me into that conversation and that's his choice that's his life so I always respected that, but I was open about my feelings about my own spirituality and my own relationship with religion. 
Um, but my, my siblings are just like me. They're just like me. So it's a very warm hearted, deep feeling kind of situation. I, you might be referring to the story I told you today about my sister. Is that what you were talking about? Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that was just a personal thing. Cause she's, she's of, of the five of us, she's, um, the one who's got a little bit of a sort of a different personality. Um, I mean, we're all different, but in terms of like sort of the depth of philosophical thinking Mm -hmm. and she, I was telling you, we had a falling out because she had some issues with her relationship with truth. This is again, my opinion, my feeling. And, um, and that disturbed me. And for lots of complicating reasons, I, I stopped communicating with her and that went on for like the last two years or so. And we just, in the last few months started talking again because um, my view, and I think her view is that she really started to go to therapy. She also, um, started a different education process for herself, which, and she's since had two babies. She had already adopted one and she got married. So it's like life got a lot more real for her. And I think it brought her into a space that was more relatable and she had to get real with herself. And obviously that made her connect to me better. And one of the things she said, I told you when we started talking and it was like, I really felt more comfortable talking to her was when she she said, you know, Laura, I've been to therapy. And she said all this awesome stuff that I was like, great, because we don't need to agree on everything. I just need to know that there's space for us to be real and to talk mm-hmm. and that you're not going to lie to me and try to gaslight me. Mm-hmm. Um, she said, I just found out that I'm just not as deep as 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 you four. I'm just not that deep. <laughs> oh. And I was like, I get it. Like, I get it. I don't expect everybody to go where I go. Like, we're all- I've, rec- I've recognized that with some friends that I, I'm building relationships with. Um, the content of, of what we share with each other, it can be so superficial. And sometimes I'm, I'm looking for a deeper conversation. Yeah. Um, let's go, like, we don't have to talk about how we feel about the vaccine or politics we don't have to go that far but how far how deep can we go into some things about your life that you want to share or is that you're just looking for somebody to 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 spend chit chat with you know because i don't have a lot of space for chit chat yeah i don't have energy for it i should guess i should say yeah yeah, you and I were talking about this earlier, and and my my comment to you at the time, I don't know if I was as clear about it, but you know, this it comes right back to all of our conversations about boundaries. It's like I know this about me, like this is my truth. My truth is, I don't have a lot of room for chit chat. I don't have a lot of room for superficial conversations. That's who I am, and that's where I'm comfortable. So, whose responsibility is that? Is that to hold that boundary? Mm-hmm. It's not theirs, right? Because a lot of people just live on that plane. They just live on that plane of chit chat and superficial. And that's great. Go find your people. (laughs) I'm not your people. (laughs) It it dawned on me. I was having breakfast with a friend today. And I I think we were kind of talking down those lines of, um, I'm just, I, I think I'm getting tapped out as far as energy goes right now. And he said, well, you know, we, we've had these conversations, so he knows this path that I go down. And 
of, of getting exhausted and me by being bipolar. And um, he, he's asked me this question many times, like, why is it that you think you keep reaching out for these connections? And you've said this, you've asked me the same thing. And, and uh, I just started crying in this diner because I, I'm just so lonely. And uh, like, when I picked him up, I just like was squeezing his hand and to touch somebody's flesh. I was like, oh my God, I just kept putting my hands on his face like a blind person. Like, oh my God, this is what a real person is, you know? And uh, hope, hoping, you know, just wanting those kind of, of touch me personally, touch me deeply in those ways, you know, have a real conversation. Uh, that's what I need. I hear you. And it's, it's a tricky conversation. I'm not going to pretend like I have the full answer, but I will say this for speaking from my own experience. Um, cause you know, I've stopped dating. I've stopped looking. I've stopped. I'm just, I'm done with that. Um, the people who come into my life are the people who come into my life and the relationships that grow out of those connections are the relationships that grow out of those connections. I am no longer interested in labeling things. I'm no longer interested in seeking out specific kinds of relationships beyond professional. Like that's deliberate, you know? Um, but I definitely know. Can I, can I, can I just, I want to make sure I heard that right. You're not interested in making relation, new relationships beyond professional. Is that what you said? No. So, all right. What I'm saying is that I used to delineate my relationships with, with men. Like I can make male friends. I do it all the time. Um, it's one of the reasons I love the whole when Harry met Sally debate. I, I just, I find that fascinating. Um, but I don't, I don't want to go there right now because that is a whole other podcast, but I, I'm able to make friends with men. I'm able to make friends with women. I'm able to make friends with non-binary people. I'm able to make friends with all people. So I'm open to friendships. I'm always open to friendships. What I am done doing is, is sort of chopping off and sectioning off um, the idea of dating as something specific and directed. In other words, I am going out to find someone to be my boyfriend or to, you know, mm -hmm. I'm, I'm done with that. I, mm -hmm. I think that for me, what I have found is that that is an unhealthy um, way of thinking about how relationships are built and how I want them to, to come into my life. People are who they are. The relationship's going to be what it's going to be. If I go out and seek it and I put it in that little hole, I'm already limiting so much. I'm already putting so much pressure and expectation on something that you don't even know what it is, you know? Um, so I'm not going to go out and date anymore. What I was saying is, is that the only thing I'm going to go at in a directed way where there's a specific, I'm cutting out like what this relationship is going to be is professional. Okay. Does that, does that clarify it? Yeah, it does. Thank you. Yeah. Um, but what were we talking about just before that? I, I do want to clarify when, when I, when I express my loneliness, it's, it's not in a, uh, it, at the present moment, it's not 
sexual based. It's not, I desire, I have these sexual needs. It's these like human loneliness type. Um, it's, it's the, the benefit of, uh, human touch. And you're referring to makes, makes me want to make connections with people in many ways, whether it's somebody local or, you know, somebody on the internet through TikTok, you know, I have this deep desire to make those connections. And, and my friend would say it's a deep desire for acceptance. And, uh, that's where I was going to go with you. Cause, cause I was going to say that I think what COVID is doing for a lot of people, if they're willing to be open to it, um, is that cause right. The question is the question your friend asked you. And the question that I I've been asking you, right. Is why, why are you violating your own boundaries? And I think what you just said that your friend said to you about what you're seeking as acceptance, I, I, and this is just my thoughts, okay? So take it for whatever it's worth and whatever you think. But my point to that would be that you're looking for acceptance in a deep way that no one else can ever give you. And so, so long as you are seeking that outside of yourself, you will feel that feeling of lack and that emptiness that you are trying to fill that no one else will ever fill for you except yourself. I, I'm not trying to say that doesn't mean you don't need touch. You don't need sex. You don't need friends. I'm not saying any of that. What I'm saying is I think you begin to be able to build healthier boundaries to keep out the people who actually suck you more dry when you yourself know what it feels like to accept and love yourself. Because then you see that resonance in other people and that's what you connect with. And you stop just connecting with whoever. I, you know, I, I mean, and I've been through this process. So I know what that feels like. I used to do the same thing. I was surrounded by people who exhausted me, who took from me. I was constantly violating my own boundaries. I constantly found myself irritated, frustrated. And then I would just put up a wall. I would stop talking to people. I wouldn't answer the phone. I wouldn't answer the door. Like I just couldn't take anymore. You know, it was that's where, that's where I'm at right now. Right. I don't know why I, I'm going to have to listen to this and go like two minutes back to figure out why I started crying. Um, Cause there is something there. Oh yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. I, I, I don't mean, remember what it was. Thank God. <laughs> well, go back and listen where I, you know, I'm still here to talk and I think we're getting real close. You know, it's, 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 it really is very simple. It's just, um, stubborn. Like simple doesn't mean easy. I say that all the time. Simple does not mean easy. I was talking to somebody, um, Louie, who's helping me out. We were talking about websites and I said, simple websites are always the hardest. Clean and simple is always the hardest thing to design. Mm -hmm. And simple work is always the hardest work because, um, there's not a lot of distractions. It's just like, you're coming down to the core of it, you know, and it's, it, it can be tough. I, I, yeah, I'm, I'm just thinking of all the chaos for my own website and <laughs> yeah, simple is, is, I don't think there's anything simple. I, that is some accepting a new reality is just something I want to touch on for a second. 
Yeah, I mean, we're all dealing with that, right? Go ahead. Um, during an exchange yesterday, uh, I was we were talking about how everyone is putting their employees through their max capacity and that that's the way the workforce is nowadays and that's just a reality that I'll have to accept that because of COVID and even pre-COVID um, finding a job that you're going to be happy at where an employer uh, considers an employee's happiness uh, to be equally important to profits um, those types of employers don't exist um, well that's just not true it's, and this woman that I was speaking to uh, in, emphatically was like that's the reality that I, I need to accept well that's that, the reality she's accepted so of course she wants you to accept that yeah yeah, that, and that's that's what what I I felt. That's the world you're you are personally living in. Yeah, but I refuse to. to I'm going to find a better way to be happy. So I mean, truthfully, it was during a job interview, and we both agreed that I it was not a good fit. So, um, but I was like, I, I that's when it kind of sunk in. I, that I do need to, to find a company that values uh, happiness as much as profit. Yeah, that values human life and living, and those companies are absolutely out there. Those people are out there, 100%. I mean, can you imagine? Like, I was thinking about, uh, I don't know why, I was thinking about like Jim Crow when you said this. I don't know why it's, but yeah, if, yeah because like, can you imagine? traveling back in time and running into people like that well you know you just have to accept that whites only is the way that it is and that's for colors and this is just the way i mean come on we don't have to accept shit it's our choice and you can do it ignorantly or you can you know we can you don't have to accept anything <laughs> yeah so, I'm, I'm, I'm glad i at least spoke to one person who agreed with me yeah, well, there's lots of others. I mean, I was told the same thing. I One of the best conversations I ever had in my corporate career was um, the people around me. I, I worked for a company. I won't say the names of these companies because they're the, the big insurance companies in the country. Um, I worked for one of them and found it to be a very oppressive workforce. It was very much an unexamined company in terms of their social structure. Then I moved to another insurance company that was much older in the country and they actually had a much more progressive um, way of promoting and recognizing people. The pay was much more equal, if not completely equal. And um, they promoted based on work performance and it was very clear, you could feel it. Um, and it happened for me quickly. Like I got recruited over by that company. I went into that company and I immediately started to like rise up the chain. And by the end of my tenure at this company, because I was done, like, even though they were progressive, it was just, you know, still the corporate world. And this man who was like three managerial lev levels above me, he was essentially um, right under the executives. He uh, brought me in for a meeting because management, I was in management at that point, lower level management, and I was starting to be recognized as someone who they wanted to groom to, to rise in the ranks. 
and they loved promoting women actually it was one of their things um and so he sat me down in the room and he's such a dick <laughs> such a dick but such a little angel you know and he was just like well i started talking to him he was asking me what i want out of life and i was still pretty confused then and and i told him sort of my thoughts whatever they were and he looked at me and he said well it sounds to me like you have peter pan syndrome <laughs> i was like whoa i felt called out cuz that felt true to me like i didn't want to grow up but but looking back i know that that's not true but this is why this man was such a gift to me and he started to lecture me like a father and he was uh and not in a positive way cuz my father experience is not a positive experience um it was very condescending and he wanted to know my 5 year plan and he was pushing me for my 5 year plan and he was telling me you know the possibilities for me within this company which would have meant i would have been making lots of money and i was already making good money um and i left that meeting so upset and depressed but for me that was a turning point of recognizing that i have this opportunity to 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 go down this corporate road and to accept the reality that i'm living peter pan syndrome and i need to grow up and all this other shit but I, i could feel inside that wasn't right or true it just wasn't my truth and if i had ignored that oh my god i don't even want to imagine where i would be right now i'd be 100 pounds heavier i'd be depressed and anxious i'd be addicted to something uh to medicate the stress um but all the while being seen as a success on the outside right i would own a house i would have a nice car uh, all the things whatever but and I, how important is 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 all that stuff to you uh it's uh, listen it's as important as the poverty line um in this country uh is set at so of course i don't want to be in poverty no one does money is important you know basically up to that point and what i have learned because i have made lots of money in the past is that more money does nothing to make you happy and i grew up that way with parents who valued money and things and stuff they're boomers and i learned through them those things do not make happiness so i'm not going to say that it's totally unimportant to me but um do i need a better car a newer car do i need a bigger house a bigger yard a do i need to travel all over the damn world no i that i have this part of my story in my head about you is that you have good quality basic necessities yes exactly you don't have a lot of clutter in your life no uh unfortunately i don't think you have a lot of mementos I do have, I do have mementos but I keep them uh, to a minimum. Yeah. I, I try to be very mindful about um now having a 5-year-old if I like if I turn the camera right now in my live and show everybody what my house looks like at the moment. I mean some people will be like, "Oh, that looks great." I'm sure, but you know, 5-year-olds make it tough cuz they have Legos and, you know, things like that that Oh, come on. I now you're being too hard on yourself because I have seen Uh, as you're talking and doing your Marco Polo's I do see the environment you live and it's it is not messy um beyond anybody else's so you're fine <laughs> I don't worry about it but I'm just yeah. saying, just make I want to make sure you're not you don't paint some picture no uh, because that that uh since you've brought up the words story of how we bring up we make stories of people I just want to make sure I have I have the right story of you. And not only do I do that with you, uh I I check in with 
other people that I have in my life. I'm like, do I have this right about you? Because this is how I feel. And when I said this, did I hurt your feelings? Because somebody who comes from that perspective, you know, it not only, um, it just helps you further a conversation, I think. Um, but I'm going to digress. Well, uh, let me just clarify that for anybody listening to the podcast or, or on the live right now is that um, one of the big things that I, there's a few things that I've changed about the way I communicate with people over the years. And one of the things is anytime something dramatic happens or big happens, or there's a disagreement or so I always take a step back and I say, this is so interesting. I like to use the word interesting. <laughs> like that's so interesting, right? Like what's happening here? What is this about? What's happening? I like to pose it as a question and as something that's fascinating and interesting and that I want to look at from a different perspective or a little more closely. The other thing is, is, is understanding that 99% of, of what we think about other people is in our imagination. Mm -hmm. That we actually create stories about little pieces that we get of people. And, and so when we find ourselves in situations with people that are painful or not working, like to recognize how much of that is self-created because we have made up a story about someone. And then when that person's life or our expectations of the story we've created don't come to fruition, that that's about us usually. So you would not believe if somebody was to, were to say to you, uh, I can walk up, you know, in, in a first date, you know whether you're going to want to be with somebody within what's it like 20 minutes or so or is it less is it like five minutes within the first five minutes you know whether you have a connection or not um do you know what i'm saying at all do you know that theory that you yeah. instantly know so it, if that's true then what kind of story are you building in your head like instantly within those 20 minutes sure yeah, I, I'm not saying we can't do it. I'm not saying like we all do it. What I'm yeah. trying to what I'm trying to say is to have the awareness about that. Yes, and make sure where am I getting this from? Am I projecting or is this? Well, have they built, have they built their this story or am I building it? Exactly to understand that you are always building a story whether it's about other people or about yourself or about a really, like you're always building a story. So I think the key is, is to, um, it, there's not one key, but it's, it, it's, it's about being present, right? Mm -hmm. And understanding that sometimes you need to check in with people. You need to clarify, you need to have better communication. You need to, you know, because it's all a story, no matter how right I have my story about who you are, it's still my story. Yeah. So there's always going to be misunderstanding. I mean, that's just human relation and connection. But I feel like you were going to ask a question about that. <laughs> no, I, I, not necessarily ask a question. Um, you were going to say something about me. You were like, I, this is the story I have about you or something. No, crap. Did I say? Because <laughs> I, I often ask you, am, am I doing it? Am I, am I building you properly? It even went down... <laughs> It even went down to the point of like your body. I well, yeah, we were talking about my body. Only have only seeing you in a phone, like I see you from like your midsection up, and we kind of talked about this yesterday a little bit. But um, in my head, I'm I just how somebody talks. 
and with I see, I'm thinking you're like five seven, five eight. You know, I'm thinking you're maybe I'm not putting a number on it, but I'm thinking of what the rest of your body looks like unconsciously. You know, and I think I was like, I think I even asked you, did I ask you? And they're like, yeah, you did a video for me. Like, yeah, this is my body. I'm like, okay, it's a little different than what I had, you know. Um, thank you. I was like, all right, now I now I got the rest of the story. Yeah, isn't it so interesting too? Like that's Did what that I'm saying. Did that make you feel uncomfortable? That no. I even no, I I think it, it it illustrates the point of how deeply we create stories. So much so that we're even crafting people's bodies. Yeah. Which is why almost every time you meet someone that you haven't seen in person, you're always a little like startled because it's like, oh, that's not what I imagined. That's not what yeah. I pictured. You know and and it's one of the things that is tough for me in this forum. That's how that came up because I was telling you that, you know, um, body stuff for me is, is still one of the, whew, it's one of the areas where I still have some deep work to do because one of the traumas that I was gifted with in this life is the trauma of uh, the gaslighting and the brainwashing that my body is not right. Mm -hmm. And that's fucked up because my body's my body. I can't help the body I was born into. And it, so it's so deep in me. It's like, you know, it's my flesh, it's my tissue, it's my bones, it's my shape. It's like everything about me. That's who I am. That's who I was born as. And I am still to this day struggling. I know the way you were, you were like, and my butt's too big. And the, no, the, I, I never the, said that. I never said yeah, okay. that. I'm, I, gonna, I'm the way you were negative about your body. I said my butt is big. I said my butt is okay. big. I have curves. I, yeah. That's that's reality. I love my body. I okay. love I love myself. However, when you add in other people, when you add in society, that's where I start to feel shame. And I start that's to feel for them for them my butt is too big like proportionately i have a very uh, small waist but my my butt and hips are very big so i've had a lot of people tell me like that your butt is too big for you how the hell am i supposed to control genetics like really come why are you putting that on me well they're that's the reality they live in and that's what yeah. i really is that when other people are judging you, it's because that's how they walk around in their own skin in this world. They're they're just spreading their disease. And, and intellectually, I understand that. Intellectually, I understand that. But I think the reason this came up and you and I were talking about it is I said that I was going on a walk the other day. And I will often, it, before COVID, I actually felt really comfortable in my body for the first time in a long time. I'd had a baby and I'd gone through that experience of being pregnant, which was one of the best physical experiences I had ever been through. I felt amazing when I was pregnant. I felt powerful and glowing and beautiful. And I loved everything about being pregnant. And then um, after giving birth, I was pretty uncomfortable for a long time. And then after giving birth, as I led up to the last couple of years of my marriage and then post-marriage, I was like, I had finally put all the pieces together health-wise and I felt amazing in my body. There were still things that I was uncomfortable about because of said wounds. Um, but on the whole, I felt comfortable wearing anything. I felt comfortable being anywhere. I was like, good. 
Um, and now with COVID, I've put on, I don't know how much weight, I don't weigh myself, that's a trigger for me, but I would say I've put on 20 pounds, maybe 25 pounds. And for me, that kind of weight is a lot because of the shape of my body, because I am more athletic and I'm more curvy. So 20, 25 pounds for me is a lot to put on. Um, and so I, I was walking outside the other day and I had on an outfit that most of my stuff is very form fitting. Oddly, I feel more comfortable in form fitting than loose clothing. Um, but I was out and I noticed that my shoulders were hunched and I was kind of like holding my breath and I check in with my body all the time. And I felt that and I was like, what the hell is going on? And so I had to spend like five or 10 minutes on my walk, like repeating self-love and um, giving myself permission to exist giving myself permission to be in my body and to understand to have gratitude for my body and telling myself I'm beautiful no matter what um and doing all this self-love and self-talk and it was like five or ten minutes of that just to get my shoulders to relax and to take a deep breath and to feel safe walking down the street you know um so once I get outside and I have to add in other people, that's where my wound is because my whole life I was so intensely judged and um, ridiculed and uh, emotionally abused for the very person that I am. My body became a prison because it was never good enough no matter what I did. And, and, and I'm talking, that stuff was said to me when I was an athlete and I was like the best athlete. Like I was MVP, I was winning first place in everything, medals, I was going to state and regional championships. Like I was an amazing athlete and and I was still too big. And I'm not that big. It was just, it was just hatred coming from my family because I looked like my mom's ex-husband because I'm shaped like he is and they don't like him and they don't want to be reminded of him. They wanted me to somehow magically not be his child. Yeah, so... It's, it's a deep wound, you know, it, it is. And it doesn't take much to trigger it. it. It really simple things people can say that for them might not be any big deal. Like for me can, you know, I don't tailspin. I don't deep dive. I don't go into depression where I can't go outside or I can't function or I'm like beating myself up all day, but I feel it. It makes me feel sad. It makes me feel, um, you know. If I can ask, you were like, uh, I don't want to say the number. I, I, I want to think it was you at one point had a lot more weight on you than you did now. Um, uh, growing up as a kid, I was extremely healthy, fit. Like if you saw pictures of me, like all through high school, like my whole, I was very healthy, normal, typical, not normal, typical, healthy weight, not overweight. Um, as I got towards the end of high school, I started to put on some weight because I quit swimming and um, I had been raped and that was not being dealt with. And so, uh, and it was like a really traumatic rape where I, you know, in my mind, like could have died. Um, and so towards the end of high school, I, I started putting on some weight, nothing big. You would still see pictures and think like, oh, you know, you're a beautiful girl. Um, but as I got into college and I finally left uh, Michigan where I was from uh, and I started to get into like, different things with my studies um I then I really started to gain weight yes and I um I put on a good bit of weight and was pretty overweight throughout my 20s uh, um, you weren't going through any or, oh through your 20s okay so 
yeah, it, as I got into my 30s, I started to shed some of that because I got into Chinese medicine. I was doing okay, more that's therapy. what I was going to get to. Like at some point, I'm thinking therapy, uh, like coping mechanisms. I'm thinking of all these other coping skills. I'm questioning your relationship with food during that time when you were gaining weight. And then here comes Chinese medicine. Um, yeah, it was a good that, couple with the other stuff I was doing. Yeah. Okay. So that's what helped you um, well, give, give more care to yourself. I would say, is that how you would say it? Yeah. Chinese medicine, because it was a four year degree and it's such a different way of thinking. And it, it what, what it did for me is it, um, it just helped me to have a better understanding of life and of nature and of the planet and of myself it gave me a lot more grace. It gave me a lot more space and under, it wasn't this Western crap that people have to deal with all the time. Eat this, don't eat like rules. It's like what we were talking about with rules, walls versus boundaries. Like this idea that somehow if you just get all the math right, mm -hmm. your life is gonna be perfect. Chinese medicine, holistic thinking, which has theories that expand outward um, so you can take anything in life and you can plug it into this expansive thinking and you can you can have grace and you can have space to be a whole human that just sort of for me really completed something with my trauma work um, where it, it gave me a general theory of life instead of just these like little specific rules and things you know mm. um, and so yeah it did a lot of healing for me so I'm always going to be somebody who kind of goes up and down a little bit with my weight it, it is connected to genetics but for me as a woman relating to a lot of other women who are so hyper-focused on the scale and like the number that that is and everything, um, I have definitely to a large degree healed that. Like right now, am I satisfied with my physical fitness? No, I don't like where I'm at. I wish I didn't have this extra weight on me, but I completely love myself and appreciate my body for what it's doing for me. And I understand that with everything I'm dealing with, I am truly doing the best that I can. Mm -hmm. And, um, the rest of it, I'm just working on, you know, it, it's, it's a lifetime journey when, when you're, when you're damaged in a way that people tell you that you are just wrong for being who you are, which is right. This plugs into black lives matter. This ties into the feminist movements. Like you're just wrong for who you are. Like I was born in this body. I can't help this. It's incredibly damaging. It's incredibly abusive. It's incredibly traumatizing to just be wrong for existing. I'm wondering how that looks, how you interact with Kai, how you make sure he's, um, like, I, like I, I'm hype, hypersensitive to, like, I don't, I don't want the word, I certainly don't say the word fat around Cooper. Um, yeah. I want to make sure he's, but um, there's, somebody in his life that that wants him to know what the word fat means Ooh. that he had his therapist and, and he wants him to be aware that he has a speech impediment have you talked to the therapist about that no because I, I'm not sure how I feel about it like like for me I don't, I'm not, I don't want Cooper to know that 
he doesn't speak like everybody else. I think your son's voice is perfect and beautiful. But I, you I, know, in a, in a public school system, you know he should be he should be seeing a speech therapist. You know that's how he would be managed. Uh, can you agree to that? Well, sure. I absolutely agree that we take children and we we label them with things that are in no way detrimental to their lives, and we make things that aren't a problem a problem. I understand your son. I've never had tr trouble understanding Cooper. He's he's. I, what's the problem with how he talks? Because it's not how you like it. And by the way, the word fat is an incredibly negative word, and that raises for me and I'm just giving you my opinion here I don't want you to we can talk about this later but I that's a very negative word um especially when it, it, it's no different than the word lazy we were kind of talking about that the other day I, Word words mean so much and yeah. I so he he specifically I I did actually voice my concern about the word lazy uh during therapy that I don't want the I for me to, to explain it to you, that's the word that I'm going to use, but that's not the word I want to use to him. I don't want him to internalize it, that he himself is lazy. I need him to know that this is a decision that he can choose. So we kind of did this analogy between, do you want to be a cheetah or do you want to be a, a, a dog? Anyway, I mean, there's no such thing as perfect in this world. Everyone that we interact with has issues and problems. We're all human. I don't care if you have a PhD. I don't care if you didn't graduate high school or anything in between there. We all have issues and problems. Nobody's walking around perfect. So it's like, um, I have people say to me sometimes on TikTok or other, but why don't you just block them? And I'm like, well, because I don't just block people just because it's uncomfortable or we disagree. I, I have very specific ideas about when I block people and it's a feeling of, do I feel safe? Uh, is this abusive? But just because we don't agree or something's uncomfortable or difficult, I don't block. So I would say the same thing is true in life. Like, and this is his therapist. That's a big deal. That's taking up a really pivotal role in his life. So my, not that you asked for it, but my two cents on this are, if you as his parents are uncomfortable with words that this therapist is using, you have got to take time to discuss that with him. Even if, and especially if it makes you uncomfortable because you're the advocate that your son has. Cooper can't speak up for himself and he doesn't know better. And I would agree with you that fat, especially when talking about a child who might be carrying extra adipose for a, a ton of reasons. And whatever the reason, that is not a reason to, um, it, that that's a problematic word and I think you should talk to him and I think I think my advice would be talk to him about it and see how that conversation goes pay attention to how he speaks to you about it and if he listens to you and whatever it is that he says back to you sit with that and make a decision if this is someone that you really want to be helping your son um, because we all have things to learn so it, this maybe this is an opportunity for him to learn or maybe this is someone that you just can't work with because yeah, you gotta be careful with that. You don't want your son walking around with damage and and on top of that, damage that he believes is actually the correct thing and that, you know, he's just wrong because this therapist with a degree told him, you know, X, Y, Z. Mm -hmm. I've had therapists say a lot of damaging things. 
and who were good people. They just were wrong, you know? Mm. Food for thought. Definitely food for thought. Yeah. Um, I want to address something that um, I am actually feeling totally fine about now, but just to shift gears a little bit and give you a second to take a breath. Um, So I have three sisters and a brother. I've said this many times before. I'm bringing it up again for a specific reason who are uh, biracial, but in this culture would be seen as black. If they went to Africa, as they told me, they would not be seen as black. (laughs) Which is so fascinating, right? Um, But in this culture, they are seen as black. And that is how they, I don't know if every one of them identifies as black. I think that they do. I know for sure um, at least three of my sisters do. Um, Or sorry, three of my siblings. but I was telling a story because I stitched this woman's video yesterday who was like, you know, dear white people, basically, like, we're not blaming you for slavery, like, you know, and it was an exhausting video. Like, I was glad she made it, but I duetted her and then I took a piece and I stitched it and I talked about my sisters and my brother and um, that they are exactly like me. We are literally the same. Um, they validate my life and my existence as a person. I was so happy to be able to meet them and that they exist because I always felt so alone in this world and I felt like a freak show and I felt like there was something wrong with me because as I said, I was raised in a way that made me feel that way. And when I met them, they talk like me, they think like me, they look like me. I was like, it was the most beautiful experience I ever had, but their lives have taken such a drastic divergence from mine. And when I look at the root reason why, and I've talked to several of them about this, it boils down to the color of their skin. Like really, when you really look at it, like we're all different, we all make different choices, but the path that their life went has to do period, end of story with the color of their skin. And and as I said, nothing makes racism more crystal clear than being able to look in a mirror and see yourself with a different you know, hue, with a different level of melanin and see that that means a totally different life than yours, totally different opportunities a totally different world that they were raised in. So anyway, I was telling that story on this and this follower of mine who I'm still trying to get clarity from said, are you lying? I'm looking at your body language and it's it seems like you're lying. Why would you go through that effort? To, to, uh, so yeah, dozens of questions, the ridiculousness of it. And uh, that would be hurtful to, to if I hurt, I would get, so effing angry how how did you process it i mean i wasn't angry i i definitely noted that uh there was a feeling there it wasn't just like you know i didn't just like totally blow it off i i gave it probably 10 minutes of solid thought like throughout my morning and it was devoted to like why does this bother me and i was like oh right it bothers me because i was called a liar for pretty much my whole childhood like that's what that's about for me. It's it's just that echo, you know, um, because maybe before you call somebody a liar, you know, you can go do some research and find out, which for me would be pretty easy. Like I, I post a lot out there for people to explore. Um, and my Instagram has lots of pictures of me with my brother and with my sisters and with my nieces and my nephew, uh, my ne- nephews. Um, so anyway. your, I would assume your Instagram name is nice needles. Nice needles. Yeah, I have a private one that I don't accept people into. It's, it really is just for my close family and friends. And I post more there that's like personal. Um, 
Although now everything's becoming TikTok for me. I don't know about you. How's your TikTok life going? <laughs> um, I, I've, I'm going through, I'm going on the downside of a manic episode. So I need to withdraw from TikTok for a while. Okay. Uh, yeah. yeah. But uh, it, it's, I, I, I love it. And then it, I became, I become too obsessed with it. And, uh, but it's so fun. I love the interactions and I'm so behind in interacting and engaging with the people who comment that uh, that gives me added stress that I, and it gives me guilt. Mm. And, um, so I'm in a phase like I'm I just feel guilty that I can't even check in with the nice people who support me in my content, you know. We'll let this sink in for a second if this is helpful at all, because I know that all this is boundary stuff for you and learning to love your, it's like all this stuff that we talk about, but the fact that you share the way that you do, whether you're performing, whatever it is that you're doing, that's a lot of effort that a lot of people on TikTok don't take time to do. And just that you give that at all, you are giving so much to people. So if it brings you joy to respond, if it brings you peace and love and light and joy to respond, and that's that's a, a part of that that interaction that brings you joy, great, do it. But if it's not, let it go, Sam. You give people a lot just by creating, and that's why they follow you. Nobody's thinking after they like your video or even if they make a comment, nobody's going about their day going, why didn't she answer me? People forget that they even commented. I do. Whenever somebody responds back to something I wrote, I'm like, oh, that's right. I put that comment, <laughs> you know, like nobody really cares. So just create when it's right for you. You don't have to worry about responding and getting back. Honestly, you're already giving so much by sharing your image and your voice and your humor. I, I, I'm nothing personal, but after a podcast, I typically feel like my energy is zapped. And like, I, I, I just need to unplug for a while. Yeah. Do you, do you feel that way with energy? No, not really. And if yeah. I do, if I do, I really pay attention to it. Like that was the weird thing. And that's where I know my injuries are like when I do ignore it. So the only time that I can find that I ignore it anymore is when I am like dating someone. Oh, okay. Like this last thing I was in, I would feel exhausted, exhausted. Yeah. You yeah, know, that's my boundaries weren't good. Mm -hmm. And I was, I was doing too much. They, yeah. I, um, uh, would you say, would you say a healthy relationship can give you energy as opposed to exhaust? Yeah agree with that I would say yeah like I like you've talked to me about this sort of feeling exhausted before or maybe you haven't but I've heard you say it in different ways and like what I've always tried to say to you is stop working so hard like I think yesterday we were and you were like I wanted to do this for you and I wanted to do that for and you were subconsciously trying to do all these things for me in the podcast and I was like stop like I don't I, I can't help but <laughs> yes you can I was like, okay. you don't do that for me. I don't need that from you. That's not why I'm here. So I hear you. I, yeah, this, this is deep. This is deep stuff. I, I know it. I know you and, uh, you're enough. I, 
I think yesterday's sucky it you suck sucky podcast was due to we didn't have a good basis of, of what how the conversations was gonna go and then sometimes I look for you to pick up where pick up something that I'm talking about and then it's like shit um now I'm just babbling um there were complicating factors to yesterday and that's all good but I I think what I'm gonna say is is that you and, and this is like you have a hard time hearing this stuff when I say it I'm gonna say it anyway you're fantastic you're gonna make me hang up on you you know how I love hanging up on you I know but we're not to, we're not to an hour yet. We still have a few minutes. Seriously, you are enough, Sam. Like just as you are. And I know that you don't get that. I understand. I know that you don't. I've been there. But and I still have work to do on that. But you are enough. Like I don't need in, in, in the rest of the few minutes that that I have left of you because I'm not going to talk to you until like Monday. By the way, um, by the way, I'm wearing a sweater right now that has colors in it. <gasps> oh my god. I know. Oh shit! I'm gonna have to hang up with you and get on TikTok to see. <laughs> How funny is that? Holy shit! That's funny in and of itself. Well, I I needed something else warm to go over my my white shirt that I have on um, because it's cool. It's been really warm here, and today is cool, and I have my heat off in my house, so um, it's really cold in my house, and so I needed something, and I, I was looking for something, and then I saw this sweater, and I was like, oh, I'm gonna get that. I like that sweater, and as soon as I put it on, I was like, oh my god, this has color. Sam's gonna love it, because yesterday, Sam was like, do you deliberately only wear black and gray? Well, I, that is, that, you're, you're PMSing, girlfriend, and you have been uh yeah you've been like, exhibiting signs of pms and i'm like the clothing that you wear it just made me think i wonder if this girl put on some like fucking color for once mm-hmm. you know like start somewhere like I, well they have a closet it, full of color i have a yeah. closet full of clothes with color but i think your question was really attuned and right on and I'm not unaware of it. Like I I mentioned this the other day and I don't think I told you this, but I was on a live and I said, I was pointing out the clothes that I had on, which are black. And they're like those under football Jersey type things. Mm -hmm. I ordered them. Um, I think back in November, they're like, um, insulated leggings and insulated tops. They're, they're very much like football jerseys. And I ordered a bunch of them so I can wear them all the time. Um, I like not thinking about that stuff right now. So it's very deliberate on my part that I wear things that are comfortable, um, that I don't have to think about because I don't, I don't. So, and as you pointed out the color scheme, like it is more somber. I do happen to like grays and blacks. That's always been a thing for me, but I like color, but yeah, right now I don't feel like I'm not going to put on a red shirt or my bright blue dress or my you know, leopard skin, green and black, like form fitting dress. Fuck no. What? No, I don't feel that. And when I do, you know what I do? I put on my push up bra. I put on a skimpy little shirt. I put on some lipstick and mascara and I go on TikTok and I, and I do a date night live. Have you done that lately? Not lately. I haven't been feeling it. I won't fake okay. it. I, I don't fake it. I can't. I'm not. Yeah. A fake- That's what I was thinking. Like you don't just show up because it's a Friday night. You know, you wouldn't do no. that if it wasn't from your bag heart I have my whole bag heart I have been sleeping more I want to know how you're doing I um 
I've been making a real effort to get to bed early and I'm going to bed super early. I'm trying to take care of myself in simple ways right now. Like I'm not drinking wine at all. Mm-hmm. I'm going to bed early. I'm getting probably nine hours of sleep at least every night. Um, wow. I'm drinking more water. I'm taking walks. Um, I'm good. just doing the basics, you know, and, and I'm finding I'm still tired and exhausted and, you know, but I'm trying, I, how are you doing? I, yeah, I've, I've never been more tired. <laughs> no, I've, I've noticed that I've been needing naps. I'm wondering if it's, it has something to do with my cycle too. Um, but I've been, uh, been more intentional about Cooper sleeping in his own bed going to bed keeping the bed because our bedroom routine bedtime routine can can last an hour and a half yeah. if if we let it so me getting control of that is lets me um sounds weird because i but i just haven't done it in a long time so once he's in bed i sit on the couch and put something on the tv or netflix um yeah, yeah. that that takes a lot of effort for me to put the phone down luckily i've taken my phone down to like two percent a lot lately so i have to leave it in the charger and then i have to be in the other room so i can just do nothing and watch something stupid on tv and then before i know it it's like i've been watching tv for an hour and i'm not even paying attention to what's going on my head's still just going off in another place and i'm uh, going through all the things I have to do and, and thinking and working through like the, the day, the, the, the podcast, you know, just thinking of where I want to go in life. Can I um, make a suggestion to you, which I'm making it with the idea that I know that, you know, we're posting the podcast online and I have a live audience right now too. Um, I want to make a suggestion to you because you talked about how you used to have a friend that you really connected with who helped you to get grounded. Mm. And that's not something that you and I talk about a lot. It is something I talk about a lot in my life um, and and different techniques. But I'm going to just challenge you with this and you do what you want with it. But I want to say that, like, I get the turning on the teeth. Like, we cannot be intentional all the time. Like, sometimes we just, especially when we're, as you and I are, older single moms, you selling a house and buying a house and starting a farm. We're in the middle of a global pandemic, like middle. We're in a global pandemic. So there's a lot to be freaking tired about. But if you ever remember, I would suggest today, try it. Set the timer for five minutes on your phone or on your stove or wherever. And try breathing in through your nose and out through your mouth. And with each breath in and out, that is the count of one. And try the exercise for five minutes where you see how many numbers you can climb up. The goal would be to get to 99. And then if you get to 99, to come all the way back down to one without losing your place. And the reason I like this exercise as a meditative exercise is that not only does it get you to stop and sit and be still and focus on breath, the in through the nose and out through the mouth, but what it should also do is help you to see how uh, wild your mind is at any given moment. Because it's interesting to see how high up in the count you can get before your mind goes somewhere else. And what, what you do is, if the timer hasn't gone off, if you realize like, oh crap, I'm not counting anymore, <laughs> then you have to start all the way back at one. 
I, yeah, I can see me having great difficulty with that. And, and that's okay. One of the things about any kind of meditative practice that you hear people say most often is I can't meditate because I can't get my mind to shut off. And what people fail to understand about meditation is it's not about getting your mind to shut off. It's about recognizing it. It's like what we talked about earlier about how we create stories. And it's not about trying to get yourself to stop doing it. It's about being aware that you're doing it. And, and the benefit of that kind of practice of recognizing an out of control mind and recognizing and being able to separate from that mind, which is an interesting concept, right? To, is that cognitive thinking? Yeah, it's your, it's your frontal lobe, okay. right? It's the conscious mind and we are not the conscious mind, right? It's, 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 a, it's an entity in and of itself. And so what that kind of practice does, this is really to me the point of meditation, any kind of meditation, it's not to be Zen. It's to be able to observe what's happening and to be able to step back from it and go, whoa. <laughs> and, 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 and the more you can do that, the more like, let's say you're in a situation where someone triggers you and you have a, a really intense feeling or, you know, something really stressful is happening. The more you build that skill and that muscle, the more you can step back from that feeling and you can observe what's happening and you can make better decisions and you can slow down. So it's a muscle. Mm -hmm. It's a muscle. I do. I do see that now that it's um, something that you have to exercise and, and get good at. And you don't have to put a lot of pressure on yourself. You know, five minutes. We all, we all have five minutes. And if someone says, no, I don't, I'm like, all right, well, you have a minute. Do it for a minute. Set the time. Would you, would you recommend no music? I uh, white I, noise, silence. I have no recommendations. What I would say is that the goal is to be able to try to count up as high as you can mm -hmm. and see if you can get that number higher. It's not uncommon for people to only be able to get to three or four or five before they totally lose it. And then they come back two minutes later or they hear the timer go off and they go, oh shit, I don't even know. I think I counted to three. And okay. and, and that, that's not failure. That's information. Okay. That's wow. True. I'm really lost in my mind. Wow. I need to do this again tomorrow and see if I can get to five. Right. It gives you a baseline and... Yeah, it's practice. It's practice. And it really, it really is beneficial. It's, it's very, very, very helpful. In fact, I'm going to do it today. I haven't done it in a while. Well, I, I think on that note, I, I'm going to do it and then I'm going to text you how high I got. <laughs> okay. Sounds good. All right. Well, thank you spent for spending this hour with me. I hope that you are able to recover quickly. I'm going to hang up and check out your sweater on TikTok. Okay. Love you. Love you too. Bye. Bye.